0: Who are your role models? Who are the people you copy? You having a think of some? Who are you thinking of? If the answer is no one, you're not thinking of anyone, it doesn't mean you don't have any role models. It doesn't mean you haven't got anyone you copy. It may just mean you're not aware of who are the people who influence you. We all have them. And today the Bible gives us a role model, and my aim this morning is for us to copy this role model. It's in Mark 10, verses 46 to 52. Be a big help if you have that in front of you. Mark 10, verses 46 to 52. If you've got a church Bible, there are page numbers on the yellow sheet, and you can also see where we're going with this. First of all, though, before we get into those verses, let me just say how we got here. Last year we were doing a series in Mark's Gospel and then we broke off just before Christmas. And now last week we restarted it. And this week we've got to the end of a section. Can we have a um, diagram up on the screen please? Here's the section. I showed this uh, last December. Sorry, it was probably too small for you to see, especially at the back. But it shows a section that starts in chapter 8 with a blind man healed. And it ends where we are today in chapter 10, with a blind man healed. In between, the theme is being a disciple, following Jesus the cross-shaped way. And three times across that section, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to suffer, die and rise. And you've got to follow me the cross-shaped way. It's a way of suffering and dying to self and glory later. It's a theme of discipleship, following Jesus. And so, as it's begun and ended by two blind men healed, oh, by the way, another theme across this section is the disciples weren't seeing. They weren't seeing who Jesus was and what it's like to follow him. That's why it begins and ends with a blind man healed. And you can expect in our story today to see some of those themes coming up. Thanks, we can uh, remove the diagram. So, I'm simply now going to retell the story that we heard read to us and every so often break off to tell us what's the lesson we should be getting from this. So, let's begin the story. The scene is Jericho. It had been rebuilt by King Herod. It was an impressive, attractive city. And here's a crowd of people leaving out of the south gate They're probably on their way to the festival at Jerusalem. And among them are Jesus and his disciples. Just as they're leaving the city, there on the roadside is a beggar called Bartimaeus. He's sitting at the side of the road. It's the Middle East. It would have been a dusty place. He would have been getting the dirt from the crowd passing by kicked up in his face. Why is he sitting there? He's blind blind. And think about this, it's 2,000 years ago, there's no Braille, let alone all the technology we're familiar with, to help him, there's no job he can do. And in his society, a poor society, every day would be a matter of, will people throw me enough coins and enough food for me to not go hungry and get through the day? In his society, he'd probably be despised, under suspicion. Has he committed some terrible sin? Or maybe his parents did, and he's under a curse of blindness. That's what they'd probably think. A blind beggar. And he's your role model. He's your role model. I said today's about role models. There he is, a blind beggar. Children, have you seen a beggar? Does anyone ever say, it's my ambition when I leave school and grow up to become a beggar? Yeah, let's see some pictures. I think we've got some pictures of beggars. Yeah? Anyone's ambition to become like that? Have a look at them. There's your role model. Okay, we can remove the pictures, thank you. So often in the Gospels, the people Jesus took notice of, the people Jesus cared for and commended were bottom-of-the-pile people. looked down on in various ways people. Now you might say, yes, but he's got an obvious need. He's got an obvious need, he's blind. And I'm not. How am I supposed to be like him? I'm not a blind beggar. Well, remember, he's not here by accident. Remember the structure? Do you remember? Even if you couldn't see all the diagram. He's finishing off, he's closing a section of Mark's Gospel. All about the disciples being blind. Being blind to who Jesus was and what life is supposed to be like following Jesus. This blind beggar represents us. Now, I've never experienced blindness but I have experienced not being able to see. So a few weeks ago, I went out one night into the garden to feed our rabbits. It was a really dark night, but no worries. I know my way around our garden. So confidently and quickly, I set off to feed those rabbits and I forgot that morning I'd moved their run. I walked straight into one side of the run and fell nose first onto the top of the other side of the run. My nose exactly landed on it and a red version of the Victoria Falls came out. It was really unpleasant. Is your life ever like that? Don't know where you're going. Don't know what direction to take. Stumble into trouble and get hurt. Don't see why it's worth following this Jesus. And anyway, how can you follow a man who lived 2,000 years ago and you've never seen? What What does it even mean? Is it all to you like just darkness? You can't really see it. Well, your role model is sitting in the gutter begging. A man sitting in the gutter begging. He's put here, in God's word, to be our role model. If you think you're above that, a beggar, he can be the role model for the unsuccessful people. He could be the role model for the less clever people, for the weak people, but you're above that. Well, if you're above that, Christianity's not for you. Go and find another religion. Christianity's not for you if you're above the beggars. But be careful, I do need to warn you, that means heaven is not for you. That means hell is the place for you. Let's move on in the story. There's this beggar Bartimaeus, he can hear the noise of the crowd, but it doesn't sound normal. There's something unusual going on and he asks what's going on and he's told Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he knows something about this Jesus of Nazareth. He knows he's the son of David. Now, I don't know how Bartimaeus knew that. He doesn't tell us. But it is very significant. At the start of this section, back in chapter 8, Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. That means the promised king. That means the son of David. Son of David and Christ, the promised king, are exactly the same thing. Somehow, Bartimaeus knows Jesus is this promised king, son of David. And so he shouts out, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me! Be quiet, you dirty beggar! Stop disturbing us, you low life," say the crowd. But he just shouts all the more, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me! Have mercy on me! They can't shut him up. He is your role model. There's your role model. What do you know about Jesus? The more, the better. The more you know about Jesus, the better. It's great to know a lot about Jesus. Find out as much as you can about Jesus. But you don't need to know a lot to become a Christian. What did Bartimaeus know about Jesus? Two things. One, he's the man God promised to send. And two, I need him. Do you see that? Those are the two things he knew about Jesus. And that was enough. He's the one God promised he'd come and put things right. And I need him. It's great to know a lot about Jesus. Try to find out as much as you can about him. But to become a Christian, this is really what you need to know. Jesus is the one God promised and I need him. And you need to be convinced you need his mercy. Did you notice what Bartimaeus asked for? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now this fits with being a beggar, because mercy means pity. Pity. He's saying, Jesus, take pity on me. I remember a while ago, preaching a sermon on, you need Jesus to pity you. And someone afterwards objected to it. They didn't like that. They said, I want to hear about Jesus loving me. I don't want to hear about Jesus pitying me. If you're above Jesus pitying you, there's a problem. However much you understand the Bible, however much you might say you agree with it, if you expect Jesus to be impressed with you or think, oh yeah, I'd really like him or her on my side, then you're not on his side. Because to be on his side, you need to come asking Jesus, pity me. And persist, persist in it. Bartimaeus is your role model. What did he do? He kept shouting, and he wouldn't stop, even though the crowd say, you're embarrassing us, you should be ashamed of yourself. Keep quiet. You're just a beggar. Go back to your begging and do it quietly. He's our role model. Years ago, I taught in Sunday school, the teenage group. And there was a teenager there called Alice, and I remember her saying, can't I leave becoming a Christian until after my teens and after I've left school? It's just so difficult. It's unpopular. Can't I just leave it till later? And I sympathised with her. Because I can vaguely remember the many years ago of being a teenager at school and all those worries about what others would think of me or what did they think of me. And I remember that I'd rather put it off. Maybe it'll be better later. I sympathised with her. But children, teenagers, adults... Bartimaeus is your role model. Your need of Jesus is more important than what anyone might think of you. And you're only really going to follow him if you've got that attitude. Let's get on with the story. What do you do if you see a beggar? You pass by someone saying, can you spare any change? Big issue, do you want to find a big issue? What do you do? Pretend not to have noticed them. Walk by a little embarrassed and hope you can get by quickly. So many must have done that to Bartimaeus. What will Jesus do to him? He's desperate for Jesus not to walk by. And so he shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm not going to let you ignore me. And Jesus stops and he calls him. Jesus calls him to himself. Now, I want to point out something in the storytelling. Children, do you know what symmetry is? You do about it in maths, don't you, in school? Symmetry. Think of a butterfly and its beautiful symmetrical wings. There's beauty in symmetry. And the Jewish people thought symmetry was beautiful and they liked to write in symmetrical ways, including this story. I think we've got a slide of this. It's a symmetrical story. Have you noticed this? We've got a blind man sitting he asks Jesus a question. The crowd speaks. Jesus calls to him. And then can you see it's the same backwards? The crowd speaks. Bartimaeus asks Jesus something. And then we have the difference, a seeing man walking. Can you see the symmetry? Jewish l- people like this. They thought it made for good writing. But they were also doing something else. They put, usually, the most important point in the centre. Do you see it there? Everything's focused on the centre. The centre is Jesus calling Bartimaeus. Jesus calling Bartimaeus. Have you had a chance to take that in? Okay, let's take it down, thanks. Now, Bartimaeus, again, is our role model. I was going to call this message, I put a title on the notice sheet, and I was going to call it something like the attitude you need. Because Bartimaeus has such a good attitude. But I then realised that misses the central point. You see, the story isn't just about Bartimaeus and his attitude. At the centre is Jesus and his action. We must copy Bartimaeus and his attitude, but we mustn't miss at the centre, and it's even emphasised by the symmetry, at the centre is Jesus and his action. It's telling you, you need Jesus to call you. You need Jesus to call you to him. Do you see in verse 49, that's what happens. Jesus calls Bartimaeus to him. Now you might say, how does that happen? I'm not sitting by the side of a road in Jericho 2,000 years ago. I've never even seen this Jesus. How does he call me to him? Jesus calls you through the pages of Scripture, through the promises of the Bible. In fact, it's interesting. Do you notice in verse 49 and 50, The call of Jesus comes indirectly to Bartimaeus. Jesus says to other people, call him to me. And they they say, cheer up, get on your feet. He's calling you. He comes through others. That's significant. Through the words of the Bible, whether you read them or you're listening to them, Jesus invites you to himself. He's doing that now. Do you know the Bible teaches that the preaching of God's word is Jesus speaking and Jesus is now this minute inviting you to himself he's saying to you now come to me for forgiveness for cleansing for acceptance for welcome for love and for pity come to me will you come to him Will you ask him, son of David, have mercy on me. Take pity on me. He won't turn you away. Come on now, have a think to yourself. Are you going to just sit and listen like it's a talk to just listen to? Or are you going to inside say, Jesus, yes, I need your mercy. Will you have mercy on me? You can do that now. Think it can't be that simple. Yes, it can be that simple. It is that simple. Will you ask him? He won't turn you away. Let's get on with the story. Bartimaeus probably had his cloak spread in front of him, like a busker's guitar case, to receive people's food and coins that they threw to him. But, we read, he throws that aside and he jumps to his feet. It's all written to give us a picture of eagerness. He's a picture of eagerness. And he comes to Jesus himself. And Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? What a question. Imagine that. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Imagine this. Ronaldo. Do you know who Ronaldo is? Footballer. Do you know how much he gets per year? 177 million pounds. Yeah, well, he doesn't get it in pounds, but whatever currency he gets it in. Now, imagine if Ronaldo said to you, what do you want me to do for you? What would you answer? I think I'd answer one million would be enough. That'd suit me fine. You can keep 176, and I'll just have one million. That, imagine if Ronaldo said, what do you want me to do for you? Here is Jesus, the man who can do what money can't buy, the man who is king and God, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Amazing question. He'd ask the same question to his disciples. Do you notice verse 36? It was read to us, He said to his disciples, what do you want me to do for you? And they have a bad answer. We want the best places in your kingdom. We want the highest status. He asks the same question to the beggar man. And he has a much better answer. I just want to see. I just want to see. And then Jesus says something strange. What is the strange thing Jesus then says to him? He says to him, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Now again, Bartimaeus is our role model. Did his faith heal him? Have a think about that. Did his faith heal him? I'll give you an illustration. Kate is climbing a Cornish cliff. She's being belayed by her friend Dan. That means he's the one who holds the rope and keeps her secure if she falls. There she is climbing the Cornish cliff she gets to the top, she fixes her rope into a fixing, and she kicks off with faith that Dan will lower her safely down. She kicks off and she knows, well she believes, that he, she can trust him, he'll lower her safely down. She's got faith in Dan, but Dan has got distracted, and he's not holding the rope. He's let go of the rope. Will Kate's faith save her? She's got firm, sincere faith. Will it save her? Will it stop her falling? No, it won't. Faith doesn't keep anyone up. No. The rope keeps them up. Dan's got to keep hold of it. Faith, sincere faith is not enough. It's got to be faith in the right person. It's got to be faith in the right person. And it's the person of Jesus who healed Bartimaeus. It's the person of Jesus who did it. But it was his faith that took hold of Jesus' healing power. Do You see that? Jesus healed him. But Jesus said to him, your faith has healed you because his faith took hold of Jesus' power. And Bartimaeus has shown us what this faith is like. Have you got it? A needy beggar who knows he needs Jesus... He won't be put off by what others think, and he actually asks Jesus for mercy. He doesn't just think about it, he asks. Is that you? Have you got that sort of faith? How does the story end? How does the story end? Well, what's the first thing Bartimaeus does with his new sight? It doesn't actually tell us, but you you can read it in, in verse 52. It must be there. What's the first thing he does with his new sight? He looks at Jesus. And he watches Jesus. How do I know that? Because it says he follows Jesus. To follow someone, you've got to watch them. He watches and he follows. Where is Jesus going as Bartimaeus follows him? Where's he off to? Well, verse 46, he's leaving Jericho. Chapter 11, verse 1, he's going to Jerusalem. Bartimaeus follows Jesus as he's going off to Jerusalem. Why is he going to Jerusalem? Don't need to guess, it's in verse 33. Do you see in verse 33, Jesus says, we are going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. That's the direction that Bart is following. That's where Jesus is going. He's your role model. He's my role model. Jesus had said back in chapter 8, if anyone wants to belong to me, be my disciple, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is the theme in Mark. Taking up your cross, denying yourself and following Jesus. The disciples weren't getting it. We've already seen back in verse 37, they wanted status. Not to be a beggar, but to have the best seats in heaven. They weren't getting it. There was a rich man earlier in chapter 10 and he wouldn't do it. We read, well, this was weeks ago, back in verse 21 and 22. He wanted to keep his riches and he just wouldn't follow Jesus. Humans on their own can't do it, verse 27 says. It's impossible with humans. It's only possible by God's power. The disciples weren't getting it. The rich man wouldn't do it. Humans can't do it. But amazing, a beggar does it. A beggar does it. Because God changed his heart and he followed Jesus. There is your role model. Who are your role models in life? You do have them, whether you realise it or not. Make Bartimaeus your role model. He is our role model. One of the greatest thinkers and leaders in the whole history of the church was, a man, was an African called Augustine of Hippo. Children, that doesn't mean he had anything to do with large mammals that wallow in rivers. He just came from a place called Hippo. Strange name. He was called Augustine of Hippo. He had an amazing mind. He was a famous leader of the church. And he said, the way to know God is a matter of firstly, humility. Secondly, humility. And thirdly, humility. That's what he said. If you want a higher status role model than a beggar in the gutter, then you won't follow Jesus. Will Bartimaeus be your role model? We're going to sing a song that is about being like Bartimaeus. Well, more accurately, it's a song to encourage us, if you are a Bartimaeus-like person, Jesus welcomes sinners. It's a song packed with truth, to encourage us to turn to Jesus and receive his welcome. Now, it is a very old song, and it's very hard to update the language. Some people have attempted, and all they've done is lost the truth and and, not uh, managed to update the language. So we're going to just have to work at the old language, and I hope that you'll manage to follow it still. So, for example, in verse 3, it, dis- it talks about not dreaming of fitness. What fitness does God require? It doesn't mean what's your heart rate and how quick can you run a mile. It's talking about being good enough for God. It says don't dream of being good enough for God. No, get to him first. He's the only one who can make you good enough. Let's stand to sing.